You're listening to One Funny Morning. Watch us live Monday through Friday at 7.45 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only on Facebook. I'm not sure about my face today. Good morning. I'm not sure about all this. Look at all this gray. It's a lot. I'm covering. I'm being real picky this morning with myself. That's the kind of mood I'm in when I'd like to think having my period for that. Good morning. That's how we're going to start today. That's where I am as a person. I didn't plug this in. Hold up. Wait a minute. Didn't put my mic on. Not sure. Good morning, Doris. Good morning, good morning. How is everybody? A little discombobulated. Still does look like a regular thing. Whatever. Hopefully that works. Do I, Bobby? Because I feel like I look like a wreck. Maybe a turtleneck isn't such a good idea with this spinning around. Let's do that. Is that better? It's worse. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Whatever. Good morning, everybody. Get that off. Screen locked. Okay, hold on. Oh, look at that. Now that's on. Test, test, test. There it goes. Morning, Jessica. Green light is off on your mic. Yeah, it took me a minute. I figured it out. I figured it out. There's a little green thing next to it. Whatever. Um, good now. All is right with the world. Um, so I was just saying how, like, you could be overwhelmed by 15 things. And then all of a sudden you'll be like, I can't pay my mortgage and turn my lights out. This is happening. This, and then you look at your hair and you're like, and then this hair. And it's just too much. And I'm going to chop it all off. And then you have like a total emotional breakdown. And then you go to the hairdresser and you just say, start saying crazy stuff. And you're like, and then this, and then this, and then this hair. And it's too much. And I want you to just shave it all off. And then that's when your hairdresser sits down and caresses you and says, we're not doing that. Think you're just having a day and you're like, oh no we're chopping it off and i would like a pixie and i'm like we don't, people don't even get pixies anymore I'd be like well that is what we're doing i can't even imagine the drama that that hairdressers have to unfold are you still saying no sound please don't say it because i don't know what else to do because the green thing's moving mm-hmm i don't know what i missed Nothing, Carrie. I'm just having like a 
I'm about to get my period or maybe I started, but I'm not quite sure that like, and I'm just, I feel, I feel, I'm feeling my period this week because, you know, like I remember talking to Missy one day and she came to work and she was like, oh, I'm not feeling great. I was like, are you okay? Are you sick? She's like, no, 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 no. Like, like a period. Like. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I have no purpose like that. <laughs> I was like, oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. She's like, kid had COVID. And now I have it. No taste or smell. Well, it'll come back. You know, right now I get like little hints of smells. But I can hear a fart, Lulu, just so you know. Lulu was like, she can't smell. So I'm just going to let it rip. And she has, but I can hear the farts. I go, Lulu, I can hear you. Like, I don't know why you're at looking. Whatever. I was like, okay, good. Can you smell it? Then be quiet. That is what I hear her saying with her eyes. So yesterday, <laughs> I brought Brooke to college. Um, we stopped at a couple stores. We got essentials, and by essentials, I mean mostly candy. And I was like, this doesn't feel essential. Said, but it is. It is essential. Uh, and then we discussed what essential meant. Danielle, I hope you feel better. My seven-month-old grandson has the phone, is watching you. Oh, what's his name? You know, I like to talk to the people. No, no, no. Colby, I wonder if Colby thinks he's saving my life every time there's a noise. Does he was like, I have to save her life again. I have to save her life again. I have to make as much noise as possible. He's a colonial dog. Like, I just, I would like to have a dog from this century that's like, that was just the sound of the sun rising. And I don't need to save her. Hairdressers are psychologists with scissors, mm -hmm. and not in a dangerous way, in a good way. Mm -hmm. Lulu is my smell test now. She's like, we farted up. If she notices, smell. But what she doesn't know, you can hear her fart. I don't know that dogs know that. I don't think dog. Don't you remember there was, it was kind of a beautiful video. There was a teacher. She was like a preschool teacher, but of a class of students that um, couldn't hear. And so it was all sign language. And somehow, what's the black clip I'm wearing? It's a microphone. Anyway, somehow they get into a conversation where one of the kids says to the other kid, farted. And the teacher says, well, we all know you farted. Um, well, she must not have said that. She goes, but I know you. She must have said, I know you farted because it made a sound. And then all the kids in the class were like, what? I don't know the sign language for what, but it must have been like, like your face. I don't know. But they were like, what do you mean you can hear a fart? And they were, the teacher's like, yeah, that's audible to people. And the kids were dumbfounded. And it was the funny that the teacher was like, no, didn't anybody tell you? And they were like, clearly not. They're like, you mean every time I farted, people heard it? And they were like, yes. That's how dog, Lulu has no idea. <laughs> or she doesn't care. You know what? That's the other option. She, she don't care. She's like, oh, I know you heard me. Yeah, I wanted you. That's why I got close to your face. <laughs> These are the conversations I have. This is my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's my birthday. Whose birthday is today? Kate, happy birthday. From Vermont, right after Judy from Saskatoon. Mm -hmm. The mother of the bride is here, said Jan Luber. Welcome. Mother of the bride. I'm glad you made it into the formal picture. 
Jordy was like, oh, I'm missing somebody. And then she added Jan. How's she going to not add Jan Luber to the picture? It was great. It was great. It's been quite a 24-hour period. Now, here's what I didn't know. Everybody's saying that Robert and uh, Wendy had a, an announcement to make. I missed that part. I just made it up. Did they really say we have an announcement? Because um, I, I just jumped on the wedding bandwagon. Um, or did we just make the whole thing up, which is also a possibility. I'm not going to take off the table. Um, I feel like maybe she said we have an announcement. I didn't, I don't think she thought we were going to plan her wedding, but you know, some things she kind of did to herself if she said that. But I think things are really coming together. So very exciting. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. So yesterday, the bride is here. Shh, the surprise wedding. Um, so yesterday we did the whole dropper at college. Hold on, I'm trying to make some food for myself. Uh, and I think I ran out of Jeff, which is, oh no. Is that this? Yeah, this is Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens for sure. It's going to get crunchy. I'm just warning you now. I've never had like, I, di I did hear myself swallowing. <laughs> like when I take um, a sip the other day when I was on this thing, you could literally hear it go down my gullet. Mm -hmm. I thought I did hear them say something about, it was New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah they did this for themselves. It only took 11 days and now they're married. Mm -hmm. We might have jumped to some conclusions. Whatever. It is a surprise wedding, and she's gonna love it. My, everybody I've told this story to was like, "Did they get engaged?" I'm like, "Nobody. No, that's inconsequential. What the two of them want, not important." Why did you ask such a stupid question? Yeah. <laughs> What's important is is when can the choir practice. That's what's important. I'm sure somebody's already started sewing all of the robes. I don't know what the wedding colors are, but we'd obviously want to coordinate that. I mean, there's just so much to do, so little time. And by little time, I just haven't decided as a group when it is yet. So, just so much to think about with a wedding. Anyway. So last night, so here's what happened. Uh, mm -hmm. Gullet. I was not feeling it well. I haven't been feeling well. To the point where yesterday after the morning show, I literally fell asleep for like four hours. And I said to Chris, I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Uh, I don't know if just my period is knocking me out. I'm just not sleeping well. Crystal, let me know when I can visit. Um, and I and Chris was like, or it could just be the COVID thing. She's like, you're not even at the four week mark yet. I'm probably at like three and a half. She's like, maybe things just make you tired. So I don't know how many other people have got the COVID, or had the COVID. And like, I'll feel fine one day. And then the next day I'm like, I got to lay down. I don't know what it is. It's very weird. So yesterday was just like a weird day. I definitely feel like out of sorts. Is that weird? I don't know. Maybe now just one day a week. You just sleep. I don't know. I don't know. I can't describe it. Good morning, friends. Uh, period plus post-COVID. Plus it was Wednesday. I don't know. I have, I have no... All, all I know is that I just get this overwhelming need to go lay down 
And then I, I'm like, let me just take a little nap. And then it's four. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I had January 5th and I'm just trying to feel my myself. I got it December like 19th or something. It's just so weird. I've had COVID on Thanksgiving. Still not right. It's really weird. Moon, how are you? Uh, mm-hmm. You can probably hear me chewing. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, like, and then Chris said, you know, like, you just drove to Ohio, you did a show, you drove back, you did Walla, you, like, I feel like I'm not, I feel like I'm not really doing much, and I really don't think I'm doing much, but, yeah, it's weird, it's weird. Colby's saving my life again, from the squirrel that just walked by, uh-huh. I'll eat the rest later. Stop licking your hands and fingers. You know, that just makes me want me to lick my hands and fingers. Right? Is that what you said? I took a nap every afternoon after work for like a month after I had COVID. Courtney, it's so weird. I, and I just pass out. And like, I'll, I'll have moments where I'm like, I should get up. Out. Welcome to 50. Is this 50? You just nap all the time? Pay my lap, yeah. Now there was a big article about the COVID booster and the FDA was pissed because they didn't get some kind of data that was supposed to come with it. It was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so last night, I'm watching Perfect Bid. Anyway, it must be new. It's not that good. Let me tell you what it is. It's on the Netflix, I think. It's called Perfect Bid. And it is the story of the man who, I don't want to say he cheated his way through the prices, right? Because he technically didn't. But he did. You are allowed to lick your fingers when you're eating, Jeff. I'm not going to lie. And it's not blueberries. Um, mm -hmm. um, so this guy, in 1972, started watching The Price is Right, Bob Barker. Um, he started noticing that they kept giving away like the same prices. Like, oh, it was the avocado color refrigerator and that's $11.75. Or you give away this car that has blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I love to nap and I never had COVID. You're not wrong. Perfect bit. It's an interesting story. It's not gonna land on like some page turner but it was interesting. So here's what happened. He starts going to the prices right. And this was at a time, he was resourceful. This was at a time where like, I guess they still do it, but they walk the line and they meet people, they give them their name tag and they figure out Theodore, like who they want to have on the show. And he said, I was like kind of nerdy and I wasn't that interesting and they didn't put me on the show. But he said, you know how when you're at the show, hold on, sorry everybody. When you're at the show, you're allowed to yell stuff out from the audience, like your number. Yeah, he went over 20 times, but and he kind of learned the game that way, but he didn't learn the prices that way. He had a spreadsheet and he was a bit of a nerd and he made himself a game. He, great memory, Melanie. So the guy, makes a list of all the, he, he goes back and watch because the show in total has been on, well, at the time is 35 years, so it's got to be longer now. But he went back and like watched 25 years of The Price is Right and wrote down every prize, every player. Then he created 
he coded a game for him to practice um, the pricings. And he just played it over and over again until he knew what all the prizes were. So he can he remembers stuff, yes. So he goes a couple times, he's not chosen, but they show clips of him like he met people online, on the line, not online, on the line at the price is right. And uh, that person gets picked and that person is on the bidding row and the person is looking back and they're like, what should I bid? They're asking Theodore because they've seen him play and they're like, he's getting all the numbers right. And then they end up, and then at one point, Bob Barker was like, who are you talking to in the audience? And they said, that guy over there, he's been yelling out all the right numbers, right? So like if you, you know, when you do like the first, the bidding section, um, he did have a life, but he just, he was obsessed, clearly. And he just loved it. Um, and so at one show, is it on Prime or Netflix? No, it was on, I think, Netflix. And, um, and so if you're on Bidder's Row and you bid the exact price of an item that's up there, like you have to be the closest normally, but if you bid the exact price, you get an extra $100. So he was in the audience and everybody in that bidding section was listening to him. So they just kept getting the hundred, they kept getting the exact price. And finally, the producers are like, who is giving you, so they start noticing Theodore. So now, during, while this girl, these people are up there and he's yelling the prices at them, he's like, the bid is $2,100. And she was like, $3,000. And in the eyes, it's like, that's not what I said. And then she loses. So like, you hear him yelling the right prices and then you hear the people listen, go, I'm gonna change it. And then they lost. But the people that listened kept winning. So fast forward, he find, did you see Dean on his commercial? Kim, let's talk about it in a minute because I didn't see it yet. Uh, oh, anyway, he finally gets on the show. Um, you know, you can memorize a lot of stuff, but certain things are just pure chance, right? So he gets this punch thing where like you have to guess the prizes, which he got the prizes right. But it's like you only get so many chances and after that you punch this thing and I don't know. He didn't get very far. And then he spun the wheel. That's just pure chance. So he didn't get very far the first time he's on. And at the time, the rule was if you've been on one time, you can never be on again. So... He doesn't, but he goes with his family and his friends and he helps them, you know, whatever. Fast forward 20 years. They get new producers. They say, if you haven't been on for more than 10 years, then you can be on again. It's like, great. He goes on again. He, I don't know. He never wins big. He helps people win big. Some kid won two cars. Somebody else, he helped them win something, something. Some lady, that was the first lady, she said, I'm going to take you to dinner. He's like, she never took me to dinner. So twisted about it. Okay. Mm hmm Now, it's the, the, one of the last times he goes. Because he went, he went 24 times up until the point where he gets on the second time. I think this is his 33rd time going. Um, and he meets this couple in line. And uh, it's an older gentleman and his wife. They make friends. They're sitting next to each other in the front. The husband gets chosen. He goes up. And uh, here's Theodore telling him, well, he's in bitter's row. Here's the exact price. Guy gets up on stage. Let's do it. Guy wins something big, gets to the showcase showdown. Now, the showcase showdown. Whoever gets closest to the number wins. If you are less than $500, I think you can win both, right? And 
he said, if you're in the showcase showdown and a trip comes up, he says a trip is really hard to like put a bid on because they change so many things. You know, is your airline coming from here to there? How much is the hotel? He's like, that changes. One lady, the whole package was all prizes. And he was like, you know, couldn't help him. But the older man who he'd been helping, he says, your price is $14,743. So he tells the wife and the wife is telling the husband. And you can see the husband because on the showcase, they can do it. And then they look in the audience and they give their price because they're allowed to help. Well, Theodore said, I told her $14,743. I told her the exact price because there were no trips. He knew exact price. He goes, and I gave her the price and I thought, maybe just tell him round up $15,000. He goes, because I had never given anybody a, such a specific number before. So on the showcase showdown, you see the guy said, cause he says, I said to the wife, the actual number. And then I changed it. And I said, no, just tell him 15,000 or 14,000. I don't know, a round number. He said, but she had already started telling him the number. He says the number and even Drew Carey was just like, that's an oddly specific number. And he was like, that's my number. Okay. Jeremy, you would like this, this documentary. So they go to commercial break. We'll be right back. No, he didn't cheat. He was like a rain man. Like he just knew these numbers because he had studied them. So they go to a commercial break and Theodore says in the documentary at this point, they do a stop down, which a stop down in television means they just, everything stops, right? So like most of the time they try to shoot what they call live to tape. So if there's a three minute commercial, we stop for three minutes, we come back at three minutes and we shoot it. Like that's called live to tape. We're just going to keep going. Oddly specific. Stop down happens and it's, it's going, it's 15 minutes, which is a long time for a stop down. But he said, one of the producers comes out and she's got like her clipboard and Drew Carey says, I see her come out with her clipboard and she is, she's just got this glazed look in her eye and she comes over and she was like, this is the number. And he said, I looked at it and it was the exact number. He's like, and nobody had ever in the history of the game gotten the exact number on a showcase showdown. So Drew was like, is he cheating? And she was like, nobody knows. So now they're just staring at each other. He, and so the guy Theodore's in the audience and he was like, oh, they know something's up. But he knows he's not cheating. But now the whole crew, then he said at one point, he's just sitting there and he was like, it's, I think it's Netflix because I wasn't watching Prime. Um, he said at one point he was just sitting there and he noticed that all the cameras in the studio had turned to face him. He was like, and they were like, how is this man cheating? It's coming from this guy. And Drew Carey says, I was so mad. He was like, cause he had just, is he a medium? No, 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 no. He literally watched 25 years of The Price is Right, wrote down every prize that had ever been on, every player, every bid. He coded himself his own Price is Right game that he would play and practice. And it was broken down and it was to like kitchen appliances. He could play a game where he just practiced kitchen appliances, you know, furniture, exercise equipment. He had all these different like sections that he could play. Mm-hmm. So, um, but he just did the math in his head. I don't, yeah. So, so you're getting like Drew Carey's point of view. You're getting, um, the old producer's point of view. You're getting this guy's point of view, Theodore. And he comes across as real honest. You know, he, he shows you the computer game. Um, the whole thing. Crazy. So, um, Drew Carey says, we all were just at a, at an impasse to like, what do we do now? And, and Drew Carey was like, it was like, screw it. Let's just shoot it. There's no way this is going to ever air. Cause this will be the biggest scam ever. So let's just shoot it. 
Like he was just like, I was pissed because if you watch it, I was pissed. I don't think you can tell as much as he thinks. Um, but it was, what's the name of this? It's called Perfect Bid. It's about the story of the prices, right? So Drew Carey says, well, he says, your bid was $14,756. And he was like, yep. He's like, well, it's the exact bid. So you won both showcases and the man loses his mind and it's this whole thing. And then there's like a little bit of a thing about the guy who wins. He says that him and his wife did it all on their own, that they didn't get any help from Theodore. And then that was like kind of shady. It's crazy. Uh-huh. Oh. Um. The crazy thing is, hold on. Don't look. Don't look at me. Um. The crazy thing is, is he never, in the whole documentary, and in real life, he never wins like a big windfall of cash for himself, ever. He won like $1,000 when he was on the show. So he never wins big. I don't think he ever, did he get to the showcase showdown? I don't remember. But it wasn't a story where, you know, his intention came across as negative. Like he just, and so then Drew Carey talks about it and he was like, listen, Never in the history of ever had this happened. No one ever got the exact number to showcase show. That's why it literally stopped everything. I heard Tulsa King is very good. Somebody just told me about it. And, uh, and when they eventually asked him and they interviewed him, he was like, they interviewed me a number of times. And I was just like, listen, I can tell you the price of anything right now. You can just ask me. And so eventually they, they just started like talking to him. What Terry, that was it. As we, I, everybody, I'm sorry, Jen, I won't, I won't even know. Um, and so they eventually believe him. Yeah. He's a super fan and, um, they eventually believe him and, and, and they eventually then go back and, um, and start revamp because they learn, they learn from him. They're like, he was like, listen, you haven't changed your prizes in 25 years. Anybody could do this if they put together a spreadsheet. Don't let Wendy Luber hear about this because all she needs is a spreadsheet and she could win Wheel of Fortune. I don't think she knows that. It is a big deal. So, um, so it was just super interesting. So then they went back and they said, now we actually have a team of people whose jobs it is to change the price, to change the products more often. And so Drew Carey said like, never, this will never happen again. Like there are so many things now in place that, um, it could never happen again because we, we rotate the prizes out in a way that you just wouldn't. Monica. So funny. I think it's called among the dead or is it woman of the dead? I literally just started watching this morning and it took me a minute to figure out it was a foreign film. Shut up, Dina. Shut up. I don't know if I like it yet. Is it called Woman of the Dead? But then the first episode is called Among the Dead. Yeah, Wendy's Wendy's got her spreadsheet and she's headed to LA. Um, yeah, that one I just started. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought he was funny. He was saying, don't look at me. You can still hear me even if you don't look at me. Mm-hmm. So Dottie, in some weird way, Something like this did happen on Pressure Luck, and that was another thing. Do you guys remember Pressure Luck? And it had no whammy, no whammy, boom. Remember that? So there was now. There's not a documentary yet, but in that one, you're like, what are the chances that there is an algorithm to press your luck? No whammy, no whammy. Let me see if I can find it. Because that was the first one I ever heard of. I, I just heard about um, Press Your Luck Scandal. Um, oh, they already have a show. The Scandal. It said in May 1984. 
<clears throat> An out-of-work ice cream truck driver from southwestern Ohio broke the bank on the game Press Your Luck and made TV history by setting a record for the most money won by a contestant in one appearance on a daytime game show. So this guy figured out a pattern. And again, you're like, is this cheating? I don't know. It says, a record, a record which may have been long surpassed with a big jackpot game show today, but still stands as the strongest, as the biggest winning uh, show in history. Was it brilliance? Was it cheating? How did he do it? Press your luck, host and crew, the family of Michael Larson, the, the man that walked away with $110,000 in cash and prizes, and Michael's opponents from that fateful day gather in Hollywood 19 years later to relive the moments of that remarkable event in TV history. It says he put the con in contestant. So the basic gist is, is that he... He, I don't know which one this is on. Let me see. It's called Big Bucks. It's on YouTube. What? What? Here it is. Michael Lawrence Larson. He appeared. He won $110,000. He was able to win by mesmerizing the patterns used on the Press Your Luck game board. He used his cash winnings to pay taxes and invested most of the rest in bad real estate deals. He, and as a result, he lost all of his winnings within two years of the show's taping. He later fled Ohio while under investigation for fraud. He was found to be living in Florida, of course, when he died of throat cancer at the age of 49. Since his death, Larson's game has been re-aired on television at various times and inspired two game show network documentaries, Big Bucks and Cover Story. It said Larson uses VCR to record episodes of Press Your Luck shortly after its premiere. While watching, he noticed that the, ran that the randomizer that moved the light indicator around the 18 squares had only five patterns. What? He began memorizing these patterns, and with increasing confidence, he could predict when and where the randomizer would land. He began playing along with the big board round to test his hypotheses and paused his VHS tape at various intervals. He also discovered that the fourth and eighth squares always contain cash and never a whammy. <laughs> Larson learned that square number four always contained a top dollar value. And then in round two, contestants were awarded an additional spin of landing on those spots. He used most of his savings to fly out there. While he's waiting in the greeting room, he met this guy named Ed. They struck up a conversation. He asked him how many times he had seen the show. He said, I only saw it once. Larson responded, look, they were from another planet. He goes, I really hope we don't have to play each other. They would, in fact, play each other. Wow. I'm going to watch this one. This is crazy. said the producers were unsure how to proceed. What? Cut to a freeze frame. Oh, it's good. I'm going to watch it. I wonder when he... Oh, i got to watch this one. I'm telling you. It's amazing. But then you say, is that cheating? Or is that just... You guys... Why would you pick only a five thing randomizer but who would notice you figure that was a big game everybody was watching press your luck millions and millions of us are watching the same game but only one guy the ice cream truck driver from ohio was like i see a pattern and i was like i i'm hungry <laughs> it's all the same pattern i should get ice cream
I don't want to, it's just crazy, right? I don't think it's cheating. I would just love to have been in the room when all of this went down. When Theodore won, when Lillian Larson won, and you just see producers going nuts. You're like, something is up. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Crazy. That is strategizing. Yeah. You figured it out. But... They need to go work for NASA. I'd be like, I know. Never heard of press. You're like, oh, Lauren, you're too young then. Yeah, no, it's just like a weird game. And they'd all just go, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy, boom. Mm-hmm. We would be amazing on the family feud. And Diana would be the captain. And most likely be in a clip on the internet with Steve Harvey. Going, mommy, like that. But with snacks, Cheetos. Like that. Milky Way. Like that. Mm -hmm. The name of the documentary that I watched last night was called Perfect Bid. This one that I found on the YouTube is called Big Bucks, The Press Your Luck Scandal. That was in 2003. And there's another one called Cover Story, The Press Your Luck Scandal. It was in 2018. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yes, from the 70s and 80s, for sure. Yeah. <coughs> um, yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah. There were... Um, there were a couple things that were happening. Where is it? Oh, did you, this is usually not in my wheelhouse, but um, they were just talking about it. How is it Macron, Macron, the France guy? He's trying to change the retirement age from 62, which is one of the youngest in the world, to 64. Because in France, you start getting 1,400 euros a month at 62. And it had all these, um, I never really thought about, right? Like, when is everybody else retirement? But we're, what, 65? Um, but in France, it has been set at this 62 number for centuries. And he's tried to move it back before because he's basically saying, if you all retire at 62, we will be bankrupt. You will bankrupt. The economy will fall apart. We cannot withstand it. Like it was said at 62 when people didn't live that long. But now you're all living to 80 and uh, we need some time. And the country is like, no, but here's what's so weird. Ready? It says these, there are exemptions for this rule. So some people are retiring way before 62. So it was set back in the time of Louis the 14th. After performing on the stage for 10 years, actors in the Comédie Francaise, which is a yummy chicken dish. No, it's not. It's a like a performing group. Um, are entitled to a claim of a lifetime pension. It dates back to 1680. So that means that dancers can retire with a full pension 42 years old. What? So they do, I'm going to be, I should have been a dancer in France. Yeah. Stagehands can retire at 57. Train conductors can bow out at 52. It's like real specific. Like there is no nationwide retirement. It's all based on whatever Louis was thinking back in 1680. Real specific. I just thought it was so crazy. It said, in France, life expectancy was just 25, um, in the Midwest, 25, rising to 67 by the end of the Second World War. So it said, it said, if people, life expectancy was between 60 and 70, they'd let you retire at 62. Well, now they're saying, well, listen, life expectancy at 85. You just gotta start walking, working a little bit longer. No. 
So he had tried to raise it by one year a couple of years ago, and there was a huge fight, right? And um, now he's trying to make it 64. So go two years, and it's a big fight. It says, if he passes it, it'll be the first time that they all come under a single umbrella, right? Everybody retires at 64, except this won't apply to the Paris Opera or fishermen or lawyers or people of liberal professions like architects, doctors, and dentists. I don't know why. I don't know why fishermen are in here. Like it just, it's okay. It took me a minute to get past the opera and the comedy franchise, which again is a yummy chicken dish, but not fishermen, lawyers, or people from liberal professions, doctors, dentists, architects. I don't know when they retire earlier. I think train conductors are, are now lumped in with it. It's just, it was the oddest article. It was very interesting. I never really thought about when people retire in other countries. Um, it's really crazy. And they use the word cacophony, and I still don't even know what that means. I know it's a big word. Uh, it ties with Sweden and Norway for the lowest retirement age in Western Europe. They would all retire full pensions at 62. It's very random. Why train conductors? At 52, you're like, I've been a train conductor all my life. It's time for me to get out of this biz. What? I'm fisherman. I don't know. I don't know. So let's go to Dean's commercial. So Dean calls me last night early. Um, and he says, uh, <laughs> he says, I'm going to be in a commercial. I said, oh, when? Tonight. What? what? They know how to enjoy life in France. Mm -hmm. 52 and 52 retired last year. Good for you. So, um, What was I saying? Oh, so I said, what do you mean you're in a commercial? Tonight. He said, tonight, 10 o'clock. It was me. It was me. Still me. Still just me. Mostly just, okay. Come here. Now, come here. Don't ever touch the island again. Get away from the window. because I touched the island. And now we're all on high alert. Lulu is in special armory. She's got a full metal belt just on her chest. Mm -hmm. Colby bit seven people because I tapped right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cacophony of something. Okay. I can't with these messages. Um, I'm punch somebody. So annoyed. Do you know I'm talking like period annoyed? Do you know when you're like a nice person, but then you get your period and you're not a nice person anymore? And you just look at people and you're like, if you look at me like that again, I, I might punch you in the face. And then as you're punching him in the face, you're like, you don't deserve this. Like that. Is it just me? Anyway, so Dina, I'm Dina. Dean said, <laughs> Dean said, uh, it's going to be on a 10. I go, well, I'm not going to see it. Can you get me a copy? I've been missing everything. I said, Dean, just send mommy a link. I can't. Mommy can't. Uh, I saw Dean's commercial during Wheel of Fortune. Oh, good. When did he film the commercial? Like, in the last two days, either yesterday or the day before. Like it was, no, Lulu didn't get her meds. No, it was like, yeah, it was, he, I feel like he might've told me about it, but 
Mm-hmm. I have my punchy shirt on today. Maybe I need to wear mine. Is my menopause anniversary? Mm-hmm. I thought I had a menopause anniversary, but apparently my menopause comes with a period. It's just, it's just great. People are like, how is that possible? It's pellets. No, it's not Best Buy. I finally shut down Best Buy. No, this is for like the pharmacy or something. Because I, you know why? Because everybody got their medicine. And uh, I'm the only one that picks all of them up. For everybody, I have a service. You guys need medicine? Because it's my responsibility still to be in charge of everything for everyone. Dina, didn't your kids move out? They did. Dina, (laughs) wouldn't everybody be in charge of their own thing? Yes. Dina, (laughs) yes. Why are you so pretty? I don't know. (laughs) I knew that other conversation wasn't going to go anywhere, so I just decided to turn around. It's a commercial rosy. Now, I haven't seen it, so this is hearsay. Uh, It's something about promoting the next Eagles game. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. Who does all the work? Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, I love when people are like, did you get to pick up my medicine yet? I'm sorry. What? It feels like you're talking to Uber Pharmacy. I think you meant to say, hey, I love you. And you ruined your body and your vagina for my life. And I was just wondering, I know you're busy, uh, and you're dealing with your period, which has got to be difficult at 50, but did you by any chance have just a few moments out of your very important day to run to a location that you don't need to go to because it's not your problem and pick up my stuff because I'm super busy, but I have time to stay out with my friends till four in the morning. I was just wondering if you, no, that's weird. Okay. All right. I love you more than life because you gave me life from your vagina. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you. I'll I'll come get it myself. (laughs) That would never happen. Okay. All right. Mm Bye-bye. Carrie, I hope somebody posts that video because I haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're looking supple, by the way. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) Did anybody use the word supple yesterday? Anybody? Did I tell you guys about boondoggle? Did we already have this conversation about boondoggle? Anyone? Let me look up boondoggle. Let me get you the right. Did I tell you? Because I feel like we did. And I don't want to say it again, but I will. Because I'm still trying to learn it. Please tell me if I told you about boondoggle. You put someone not in your area. In this area? My area? I won't post it there. Do you mean on the supporter page? Bethany, happy birthday. I didn't tell you about Boondoggle. Kim. Only used it in my head. Boondoggle? I didn't tell you? Let me tell you. I need one more confirmation I didn't tell you. Well, you know I like to say the same things twice, but... Mm Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Let me unpack boondoggle. All right, here we go. <clears throat> um, okay, so I'm out and about. And I think I told you this story, right? Boon what? Okay, maybe I did it. I'm out and about. Somebody uses the word boondoggle. Like in a video. And I was like, what? in the world is boondoggle and the people I were with they were just like yeah boondoggle it's a word I go uh that's not a word first of all sounds like doppelganger it does but it's a boondoggle and like a real like fancy academic person used it but sounded real dumb they're like this is a real boondoggle and I was like okay crazy person that's not a word but the other smart people I was with were like, Dina, boondoggle is a word. I go, okay, first of all, lies. 
Okay, because I've heard a lot of words. I love words. Words are my favorite thing. I like to use them sometimes inappropriately, sometimes loudly. But boondoggle is not a word I've ever heard in my entire life. And the fact that this academic man is sitting up here. He was using a lot of other big words. I was like, oh, he's real smart. And then he was like, it's a real boondoggle. I was like, who are you? Here's what it is. I said, boondoggle's not a word. They were like, it is a word. It says that this is like a real, like, effed up situation. It's a real boondoggle. And I was like, what? This is a microphone. I said, it's a what? He said, boondoggle. It's a very like academic way of saying this. Okay. I was like, that's how, that's how smart people curse. He was like, kind of. And it was this man, he was speaking very eloquently and very, and with like a lot of digni dignifiedness. And then he said, what we have here is a real boondoggle. So I look it up. It is a word. It's an old word, Anna, you know it. So here's what it says. This is what Oxford says. It's a worker activity that is wasteful. It's like a quagmire, kind of. A wasteful or pointless, but gives the appearance of having value. <laughs> I know a ton of boondoggles. Oh yeah, I know a lot of pointless stuff. I used to make boondoggle keychains as a kid. What does that even mean? What's a boondoggle keychain? What? Hear that word forever and I'm 52. You haven't heard that word in forever and I'm 52? Never heard it my whole life. Shikandra, in my whole life, never has anybody said boondoggle. I'm surrounded by dum-dums. <laughs> I am a dum-dum. And I'm sure people around me go, you're, you're my dum-dum. I'd be like, yeah, because I've never used that word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, ladies, here are your choices. By the end of the week, you have to use boondoggle in a sentence and supple. Now, if you can get them both together... Okay, I've used that word forever. That's a lie, smarty pants. Was there a song, Boondoggle? I don't know, Drunk Patty. If there was one, <laughs> Boondoggle, aka the government. Mm hmm. Jackie, I'm telling you, we use, what do you see? What are you eating? Oh, is that a leaf? You're bad. Stop it. You're so weird. Okay. Colby's eating a leaf. But I heard it. My hearing. I think that when you lose taste and smell, you get like superpowers. And you, I, learned, I literally heard him eating a leaf. <laughs> it's a crunchy leaf. So Another word for gimp bracelets. What? I don't even know what you're saying. Supple boondoggle. Oh, Carrie, if you can use that in a sentence. So impressed. I never heard that. Courtney, no one has. Oh, song was down in the boondocks. Yeah, different. It wasn't poop, and I will. Yep. So those are your words for this week. Boondoggle. Supple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He did upgrade, Christine, so I'm not going to be mad. All right, everybody, that's it for us. It is time to go. Um, I'm going to go try not to take a nap and waste four hours of the day. It's a goal. Um, but I hope you have a great day. And tomorrow, use boondoggle supple as an adjective. Oh, it's a real boondoggle in here. So good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, listen, everybody, tomorrow is Friday. That's exciting. It's an exciting time. I'm looking forward to kind of doing nothing. Um, yeah, we're going to, yeah. You never know what you're going to learn with Dina. Kim, 
It's a real boondoggle. You guys, it's going to be my word. Uh-huh. A boondoggle is a project considered a waste of time and money. It is often continued due to extraneous policy or political motivations. But they have pictures of these bracelets. <laughs> what? Somebody said a boondoggle bracelet. Boondoggle keychain. You said that. A lady said that. They were those little plastic things. Learn Scooby-Doo or Boondoggle, a fun kid's craft also known as GIMP. There's so many words in there that shouldn't be together. We're going to unpack more on Boondoggle tomorrow. Oh, stay tuned. You're like, oh, I can't wait to tune in tomorrow. Let me put this in my phone. What? You said all those words and I thought you were drunk. But there's a lot of different words for a Boondoggle. Plastic la lace crafts. <laughs> this is getting... There's a boondoggle frog, a boondoggle pot weed keychain. None of this makes any sense. And that's how I'd like to leave the show. All right, everybody, have a good day. I will check in with you guys in tomorrow morning around this time, kind of. We'll go from there. All right, have a good one. Thanks for watching. Have a great day and a blessed day. I'll see you in the morning. I'll see you. Bye.